Next on Contemplate. Your relationship with God is an eternal relationship. It's eternal. The more you are pouring in to that relationship, your relationship with God, and investing in your relationship with God, the more you are investing in eternity. When we seek the praise of other people for things we ought to be doing for God, who we love and out of love for him, we are trading the eternal for the temporal. We are trading unspeakable beauty and eternal rewards from our Father in heaven for quick approval from fickle people. Having learned a lot about giving in our last episode, today we'll learn about prayer, fasting, and storing up treasures in heaven. Another great lesson is on the way, and here's Pastor David. Jesus tells us to pray privately, not to be seen by men. Now, this would have been a bigger deal uh, or a more, um, it would have hit them a little harder, I think, in, in Israel in the first century when Jesus was giving this Sermon on the Mount. Of course, he's still giving it to this day, but when he was, when he was literally giving it, those folks there would have been used to a, a system where they go to the synagogue and somebody would be, you know, the person that would pray that week. And they'd come up and they'd pray. And maybe they wanted to do it better than the, than the, fo- the fellow who did it last week. And so their prayer was a little more flowery, a little more ostentatious, a little louder, had a little more rhythm to it, whatever. And then the next person would be like, well, I want to do it better than that because I want people to come. Oh, what a great prayer, brother. What a fantastic prayer. Or there was a certain time of day where they might pray and wherever they were doing, they were on the street, they'd just stop and they'd face the temple and they'd start praying. Now, they could pray quietly to themselves, or they could be like, oh, and do their whole big thing, right? And so that was what was going on here in this culture, in this, in this uh, place. I don't see that as much. Most people actually don't really like public prayer. In fact, the introverts are probably writing this verse down right now, so that when I ask them to pray in public next time, they go, no, Jesus doesn't want me to. <laughs> don't, he said, pray in private. I'll go in my room and pray. That's probably how some of us are, but the, the principle is this, don't pray or do anything so that you can gain the praise of others. Don't do that. Don't do that. Pray because you want to talk to God, because you want to communicate with God. Praying in public isn't really the issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. If you're praying so that people will praise you for your great prayer, that's a problem. If you're praying so that other people will hear what you're saying and think that you did a good job, then you're really praying for them, to them, about them, whatever it is. Your prayer is not about God, it's about them. You definitely should be praying in private every day as part of the rhythm of your life. You and God, right here, you and God, pouring out your heart to him. D.A. Carson says this, You should be praying enough that your prayers in public are just an overflow of your prayers in private. It shouldn't be a show that's being put on. They should be genuine prayers. Genuine prayers are communications with God, not with people around you, right? If what you're really doing is trying to impress people who will praise you for your fantastic prayers, you're not focused on praying to your father. And if you're not talking to him, why should he answer you? You have your reward. You have your reward. Lord willing, we're, we're going to study more deeply about what Jesus is commanding about prayers. We come back to those verses 7 through 15. But for now, it's important that you understand that our prayers 
are about a heart for God and not about praise from other people. So what about fasting? For those of us unfamiliar with fasting, fasting is when you go for a certain amount of time without eating. It could just be a meal. It could be uh, a, a day or it could be a number of days, even up to 40 days. Jesus fasted in the desert, in the wilderness. Um, but the thing about fasting is it's really uncomfortable if you ever tried it. Most of us like eating and do not like being hungry. Believe it or not, that was the same at the time that Jesus was speaking. They liked eating and didn't like being hungry either. But at that time, fasting was more of a part of the culture where it would be done whether either the whole nation would fast for certain reasons, people would individually fast for, for relational reasons with God and growing in him and so on and so forth. Um, but it was, it was you know, a, an act of righteousness. And so what some people would do is when they fast, they wouldn't take care of themselves. They'd be all stinky, their hair, their clothes are all disheveled and their hair is whatever, they're throwing ashes on their head and they're, oh, what was me? I haven't eaten in however long because I'm so holy. That was what was going on. And it had the effect it was intended to have. Everyone knew that that person was fasting. And of course, that was their hope, that everyone would know that and that they would all think that this person was so righteous and they had their reward, that people thought that. We bought a, a treadmill recently. I know, I know, I don't look like I need one. But we got one and uh, I was using the treadmill and I was sweating. I mean, I was sweating like, I don't know, like a fat guy with a sermon on fasting, something like that. Uh, anyway, I was sweating a lot and I knew that for me it was good to work out. Just by itself, it was a good thing for me to be working out. But I wanted to have the maximum possible impact for myself. So after I was sweating really hard and I worked out, I went upstairs to make sure that my wife, Tiffany, knew that I had been working out hard. So I went upstairs and just kind of let the glistening sweat flow, you know, and went up to her and just kind of put my face near it and like, you know, uh, you know, boy, that was a tough workout, that type of thing. And I thought to myself, she'll see me sweating and think, oh, that is so special that my husband worked out. What a strong, handsome man, intelligent, thoughtful, beautiful, you know. Some of you know Tiffany, so you know that is not how this went down. She was unimpressed, to say the least. First of all, she saw my strategy from a mile away, right? She's like, you came up here, sweating, gross, like get out of here, so that you could get some praise for working out. That's what she said to me. Can you believe that? Then she said, well, maybe if you worked out more often, you wouldn't sweat like a pig by slow jogging, <laughs> slow jogging on a treadmill for 20 minutes, right? And since you're already sweating, why don't you take out the trash and clean the garage? Okay, she didn't say that last part, but she was thinking it. I'm certain. I'm certain. And she's right, right? But the bottom line is I wanted praise for doing something I should have been doing anyway. And my wife is, is just wise and wise to my nonsense. And here's the thing. God is even wiser than Tiffany. He sees through our nonsense. He sees through our nonsense don't tell God that you're fasting or praying or, or giving or whatever so that you can grow in your relationship with him and then go and try to double down and get praise from other people for it. Jesus is like, knock that off. Fasting, praying, giving, this is about your relationship with me. Fast and be, oh my gosh, and ashes on my head. And, but you know, these guys, they'd be smelling bad like a 
teenage boy after summer camp. You know, it was, it was bad. And he's saying, look, knock that off. Put some deodorant on. Clean your clothes. You know, make your, don't, don't make it obvious that you're fasting. You know, get up there and, and look like a normal person so that the fasting is a secret between me and you. Stop seeking praise from other people. And especially stop seeking praise from other people for things that you're commanded to do out of love for God. That's a really bad thing to be seeking praise from other people for. The last part of the scripture we're studying this morning says this. Matthew uh, 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now there's a lot of truth to work through in this passage. It relates to what we have been studying this morning and it relates to the commands that will come after it that Lord willing we'll get to study later on. But as for what we're studying today, think about this. You are eternal. You're eternal. Your relationship with God is an eternal relationship. It's eternal. The more you are pouring in to that relationship, your relationship with God, and investing in your relationship with God, the more you are investing in eternity. When we seek the praise of other people for things we ought to be doing for God, who we love and out of love for him, we are trading the eternal for the temporal. We are trading unspeakable beauty and eternal rewards from our Father in heaven for quick approval from fickle people. That doesn't seem like a good trade. I may not be great at business, but that doesn't seem like a good trade to me. What are the rewards we get from showing off our righteousness to other people? How long do they last? They're fleeting. They're fickle. They're small. They're never going to fill your tank. Only God can do that. Sin is always about an ugly, temporary gain for a long-term pain. Sin is always about that. Righteousness is about giving up that quick, temporary gain that, lasts, that, that ends up in long-term pain, giving that up for temporary discipline and love to Jesus for eternal reward. That's the difference. We're laying up treasure in heaven. God is our treasure. Our Father is our treasure. It's tragic when we live for the praise of others and, and, and say that we need the praise of others instead of living in love with God. What does that say to God? You, the creator of the universe, who's loved me so much that you died for my sin, that you rose again, proving that you're God, the Son of God, you defeated sin and death and hell for me. And I'm telling you that that's not enough for me. I also need this person over here to tell me that I'm a great giver or prayer or whatever. That I look great, that I do whatever. What, is, what are we saying to God? You're not enough. You're not enough every time we seek the praise of other people. That'd be a tough thing to hear. If your friend or your spouse or somebody else was constantly telling you, you're not enough. You, know, you, tell, you tell your husband, hey, you're a handsome guy, but he's constantly seeking for other women to tell him that, or you tell your wife, you're a handsome, handsome, you're a beautiful woman, but she's clearly constantly seeking for other men to tell her that, how is it making you feel? If your friends are always looking for somebody else to get their approval from somewhere else, you're just saying, hey, you're not enough. It's not enough. 
And Jesus is enough. He's enough. It's tragic when we live for other people's praise instead of just experiencing the love of God. How can we live like our selfish desire for the praise of others or our temporary desires for sin are more important than our relationship with him, with Jesus? When you do something for your wife, men, who are married, do you tell everyone else so that they can praise you? You go around just like, hey, I was really nice to my wife. I did such and such. Hey, I was really nice to my wife so that you can get all this praise. And if you do that, how does your wife feel about that? She like that? If the main reason that you treat your wife well is to go get kudos from everyone else about how great of a husband you are or how great of a guy you are, guess what? You're not a great husband. You're a jerk. Because you're using your wife as a thing, an opportunity to get praise from other people. Now, that's weird. If the main reason that you give and pray and fast is so that other people will tell you that you're a good person, you're not being a good person. You're being a selfish hypocrite. That's what you're being. Praise God that he forgives. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, we show ourselves that we believe in him. We show ourselves that we believe in God, that he is our father and a rewarder of us when we do things without seeking the honor of other people, but our secret between us and him. That's how we show God that we believe in him. That's how we show ourselves that we believe in him. If you pray in secret and only you and God know about it, that means you believe God is real and is a rewarder of those who serve him. That's what it means. Because no one else knows about it. If you give in secret and your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, it's just between you and God, it shows that you believe in him, that he is real, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you fast in secret so that nobody but you and God know about it, it shows that you believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Everything. Every sin, every time that you're tempted to do something, that maybe nobody will know that you took that thing from work. Maybe nobody will know that you and your, and your significant other did things that you ought not to do. Maybe nobody will know in the dark at night when you get on the computer and you know that you shouldn't. Maybe nobody will know about it. And when you do that, what you say is, I don't believe that God is watching. I don't believe that God is real. That's what we do in sin. We push that aside. But when we pray... When we fast, when we seek God, when we come to church, when we, when we do things for other people and all that kind of thing, not for, not for praise, but for God, and it's just between us and him, what we show is we show ourselves that we believe that he's real. The other stuff is just hypocrisy. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's what we show when we do these things in secret with God. Your relationship with God is yours. Now let me be clear about something. Jesus is not saying that nobody can know if you fast or if you give or if you pray. That's not the point. People are going to find out those things. I mean, it's just going to happen. You live with you know, your husband or your wife and you're fasting. They're probably going to notice you haven't eaten in a few days. You know, it's, hard to, it's hard to hide that. Okay? You're not going to always be able to keep everything a secret. That's not the point. What he's telling us is about our motivation, our heart in doing these things. Our motivation cannot be for others to see us and give us glory. 
We need to show ourselves that we believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By having those, that, those heart motivations be about us and him. We're looking nowhere else. Our focus is straight on Jesus. Keeps our path straight and it keeps our heart right. Live righteously. Give up sin and hypocrisy and the fear of man and be satisfied in Jesus Christ and his love and his forgiveness and his hope and his peace. Don't look to anything else. And let your witness, let the witness of your life be that God has transformed you so fully that you believe in him so much and love him so much that you do not need the praise of other people. Not that you don't love other people or care about them. I'm not saying I don't care about anyone's opinion. Of course I do. I think God's given valuable things to everybody. But I don't need your approval. If I did, I would be a roller coaster. I have Jesus. You have Jesus. Live like you have Jesus and that you do not need the approval of other people. And that's the God that I serve and that you serve and that people will want to serve. People want to serve a God that you can have such a full and real relationship with that you are not constantly like everyone else in the world, seeking, 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 seeking approval. If you can show that you don't need that, people are going to be attracted to God. Jesus can use his church, his body, in a powerful way if we can be strong in him. But if we're constantly showing ourselves to not be sure of ourselves, if we're constantly showing ourselves that if other people don't give us what we need, we're going to fall apart. We're going to seek it and seek it and seek it. Then people aren't going to be like, oh, that's a God I want to serve. One that doesn't make you any different than everybody else. Still always seeking everyone else's approval. Let God transform you. This is something that we all have, part of the, part of the sin of the world, and that Jesus will transform in all of us. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let our witness be that we need God and love God so much that we love others fully but don't need their approval. Next time, Pastor David will give us some in-depth teaching about prayer, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, remember that if this kind of Bible-based, no-nonsense teaching is something you'd like more of in your own life— Come see us at Acts Church this Sunday morning. Easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at actschurchnw.org. We'd love to see you this Sunday. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for being here, and I hope you'll join us next time here on Contemplate.